What's up, Bike Rumor fans? We're back for part two of our Future of Gravel roundtable conversation. If you missed the first one, I'd recommend catching that if you want to learn more about the history of some of the U.S.'s largest, most popular gravel races, and how they're making the races more diverse and getting more women involved. We have the owners of Crusher and the Tusher, Dirty Kanza, Rebecca's Private Idaho, The Mid-South, formerly known as Land Run 100, SBT Gravel and Steamboat Colorado, and Pete Stetna, who's a pro racer that's just launched his own gravel ride called Pay Dirt. It's all emceed by gravel racer extraordinaire Yuri Hauswald in a casual setting. This episode kicks off with him getting Pete going on the subject of pros taking over at the front of the pack. Okay, helpful. Um, I'm going to go back to you, Pete. Um, something that's recent, you know, sort of uh, change in gravel, right, is uh, the World Tour riders coming in. Um, you know, in some of the social media comments I've seen, I feel like uh, some people are implying, right, that uh, it's gravel becoming sort of elitist, right? Or are people, um, are they like the regular Joes missing out on entries because of lottery system? I mean, this is a really big question. This We can, we can go in all different directions with this. Um, but, you know, what was the attraction for you as a world tour rider? And then I think I'm gonna segue to the promoters here is how do you balance you know, these, you know, high profile uh, riders that will maybe get more media eyes and attention on your event with the needs of the everyday rider um, and balance the, the growth and the entry and the lottery selling out and all the problems, right, air quotes, problems that we're having with the growth of gravel right now. So um, that was a mouthful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's just start with your transition because you're not the only one, you know, Ian just, Boswell yeah. just made an announcement. Lauren is coming into gravel too, so maybe you can just talk a little bit about that for you. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, I'm not in it for the money. It's. I mean, that's it's, another thing. You know, there's maybe some some of the events. Yeah. You know, some of the events have the prize purse, but it's not. It's about belt buckles, It's not a guarantee. Yeah. Right? You know, something's gonna go wrong out there. But no, I mean, it's you know. We all became pro, but you know, my, I'm speaking for my world tour buddies, and you know, we all loved bike riding in the first place. And and coming back to these events, this was like comfort food. You know, this is what we grew up racing, like out of the camping chair, getting out of the minivan, ass pack of dawn, like I mean, with all your buddies. And so it was so much fun, and it was refreshing. And um, and you know, it's. I mean, yeah, it's still, I mean, it's a race and we're all competitive, whether you're fighting yourself to get to it, you know, I mean, most of these people who sign up for Dirty Cans are like, they're training all year just as hard as me just to finish the freaking thing because this is their Mount Everest, right? And I mean, so yeah, you are competitive. We are all, I mean, most people in this room are competitive in some aspect and, you know, it's, it's a race and I mean, yeah, I, I want to race the race and I want to... I want to do it justice and it, it deserves, I mean, these races are cool and fun enough that I, you know, I don't want to show up and just, you know, fluff around and I want to give it respect by giving it my best effort too, yeah. you know, and that's, um, that's something I care about. And, you know, it's, and I also want to say that these races, these were races before myself and the EF boys showed up. I mean, yeah. we were, the EF boys were trying just to, to feel it out. And they showed up in baggies at Dirty Kansas this year. And I, I you know, I thought we were going to stop at the aid station and I had a sandwich ready, like with roast beef and everything. And, and all of a sudden, like, my mechanic was like, my pit crew, and he was like, no, they're gone. 
my aunt, you know, it was like, oh, this is like a triathlon pit zone. I'm like, I gotta hurry. So, I mean, with, then, then the, the switch flipped and it was like, okay, this is a race. Like, it's on, you know, and, and, but no, I mean, these are, these are races, but this is where I'm having the most fun in the sport. I mean, this is a move of fun for me and, and most of these guys. And, and I hope, you know, we can have fun at the finish line together, whether or not you're in front or behind me. I guarantee you, I mean, there's going to be some races where I'm walking in this year. And that's, yeah. you better give me a beer at the finish of that one too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So promoters, I'm just throwing this at you guys. Yeah, you oh, know, let me, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just oh, got to jog my memory. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, and in terms of, you know, the high profile and the media eyes or whatever, I just, you know, it's, you know, what can I do for, for these events and, and this discipline of the sport to, to help all these guys too. Like that's the, the one thing I can offer is a little bit of media attention. So, you know, that's what I am trying to trade in terms of, you know, showing up to these events and, you know, and sometimes it's, it's a bonus and, and that's, that's up for the race promoter to decide, you know, and how they want to run their event. But, you know, it's, I'm there just like the other 3,500 people at Dirty Cans that have a damn good time. Yeah. Yeah. So race promoters with events selling out like that, uh, with, you know, the general public sometimes grumbling about, you know, lottery systems, we've all heard it, right, and getting in. How do you guys, you know, balance, you know, ask from world tour riders who maybe want entries into your events um, with, you know, the ever-increasing numbers of people, regular people wanting to get into your events. I mean, it's a problem you're all feeling. I know you've all felt it. Um, I'm wondering how you, you deal with it and um, maybe, you know, future uh, things that, that help us uh, navigate this current, you know, growth spurt and travel. Bobby, so, so, Peter, so Peter messaged me on uh, Mid-South Instagram after he made his announcement because his, his announcement was after our registration, which was a little too early this year. I'm going to make it not so early. And, um, he was like, hey, there's the thing that stuck out to me the most. He was like, hey, man, this is what I'm doing. And I was very aware of what was happening. And he was like, but I didn't see a pro category, so I'm j I just got on the wait list for, like, my age group. And I was just, like, laughing out loud. I was just like, yeah, man, there's no pro category, and there will not be a pro category at my event. And I will say that publicly because they're coming to do what we already created. Like I said earlier, like, it's not broken. And so what we're doing is creating an incredible life enriching changing moment in time where we all get to feel as young as we've ever felt before and feel as powerful as we've maybe ever felt or maybe feel as low as we've ever felt and crushed <laughs> yeah. as we've ever felt and ridiculous fun all mixed within so i want the pros there <coughs> any human being that would put on an event anybody if they told you that they didn't want pros there they're lying to you of course we do. When you said that you saw Bert, Rebecca, and Ned on your... If I had Rebecca and Ned, same thing. I'm done. Sick. I made it. <laughs> Dope. And I haven't been to Rebecca's event, and she hasn't been to my event yet, and Ooh. we both need to change that. Oh. Both oh. need to change that. <laughs> Crystal, Crystal's Crystal. been to RPI yeah. because, again, she's the badass of yeah. the family. But yeah, I mean, it's so exciting. Ted King calls me, and he's like, I just got back from this fat bike expedition in Canada. And I really want to come do Land Run. This was last year. And I want to bring a video guy. And I want him in the front. And I was like, I don't think I want that. I think I want you guys to like feel like you're alone. And he's like, well, I promise you, 
I promise you'll like what we come up with. And so we talked about it multiple times. I did not say yes right away. I was like, I want you guys to feel like you're in the Oklahoma, quote unquote, wilderness. You know, I want you out there. And then we finally let that happen. And Ansel Dickey created one of the most engaging videos that I've ever had for my event. And it got me more exposure, like Pete was saying, than I've ever been able to do maybe on my own. Some of our stuff has gotten a lot of reach, but that one, that one, that one's on YouTube, and I think it's over like sixty-five thousand views, and that's that's a lot. That's a lot. So I mean, it's cool. It brings it, and and people want to line up next to the the people that they that they've seen on TV and in YouTube and wherever. So like, we've we've got there's a way to mix this. There's there's yeah. a, there's a way that it coexists, and I think we're doing it right now. And I, and, and I like the way I'm doing it, so yeah. I'm going to continue. At the same time, you can't please everybody. There's always no. going to be some folks who aren't happy with your lottery system or however you're doing your reg thing. Christy, do you want to touch on it? Am I the only, we're the only one that has a lottery, right? I think so, so far. Yeah, so, so far. We're talking about it. So far, DK, you're the only one with the lottery, and so I'm I mean, we had to do that. Um, I don't think people quite understood um, the impact of, of an open registration that, that we had the year that it It's absolutely ridiculous. Was, uh, Shit show. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to say that again? I was, I was, in, I was at Rebecca's house in the guest bedroom when the shit show happened. Um, and it was like a sellout in like three seconds, and people were pissed because they didn't get in. And I'm in a, I've been doing Dirty Kansas for this many years, and you got to make this right. And you know, I'm like, what, how do you make it? How do you make it more fair? Yeah. Um, and so I think what we've done is that's what we've done is tried to come up with the, the thing that we think is the most fair. It's it's not 100%. Yeah. Can you explain that? Because I got raped over the polls, not that it matters on social media, you know, just promoting DK uh, entry, uh, you know, well, it's, not a, it's not a true lottery. So maybe it's you not, could, it's, it's, not, it's not, it's not a true lottery, yeah, but maybe you can not. explain it to folks. There's, just there's, so they there is preference given to people going for their grail going for their fire time finish. Time, yeah. um, there's preference given to our local 66801 area code. Um, we want our locals to love our race. We want them to come and do it. The very first year Dirty Kansas that happened, there were two Emporians on the start line. Yeah. Last year it was like 500. I want my town to be, not. I don't want them to hate the event. I want them to love the event. I want them, I want them to have their family and their friends at the finish line because that's what makes the experience better for everybody. That gets back to one of the seas of ground with the lane, right? Community. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the 66801 area codes give a preference and we give preference to women. Those are the three categories. Um, beyond that, and we've had pros. I have one in my inbox right now. He sent me his Wikipedia page and resume and said I'm traveling during your registration your lottery registration so I can't register and I'm like how are you able to send me this message because it's open right now it's open yeah. right now and you're obviously yeah. able to get on and figure out how to communicate to somebody so is he in oh, yeah. I said the lottery's open here's how here's the link yeah. to register yeah. If if you if you're having trouble, let me know, and we can help you through your registration. I'll put you in touch with Treva, our, our athlete service manager, who does an incredible job. But you know, um, the the other guaranteed entries into Dirty Kansas, our sponsors have so many entries that they get with their sponsorship. If you are an expo vendor, 
you have, and I don't know the numbers, but I think you have one or two spots um, during through the expo with your entries because again, we want we want the people coming to do the expo to be stoked on the event as well. So we want them to, if they want to ride it, they can ride the 50. Um, so there's entries there. Um, and then we have this year, which I'm super stoked about. Um, we have our charity spots and it's something that I've wanted to do for years. So we are working with the Kansas High School Cycling League. We are working with World Bicycle Relief and then the Lifetime Foundation. So we've got entries that way too. So there are ways you can get into Dirty Kansas that bypass the lottery. But other than that, you have to enter the lottery. I just think sometimes there's the misconception out there, right? The pro tour riders just get like the, the, the free ride in and, and people maybe don't understand it's, don't. it's through a sponsor and something like that. By so no means go ahead too, because I mean, yeah, I, I will be in Kansas this year because my sponsors are in the expo booth and you know, that's, that's the deal we worked out. But I, uh, you know, the other lottery system is the Loyalville 100. True. And I, um, I got in, but I was in the very back of the pack. And then I, I asked them, I was like, look, I, I finished the Tour de France. Like I, I raced mountain bikes. <laughs> and I had a wicked Gotta go to qualify and prove it. And I respect the hell out of them for it. And and I, I think that's really refreshing that, you know, like, yeah, a lot if, if a pro thinks their shit stinks or doesn't stink, then it's, <laughs> it's not no. Like I, just just try rooming with Dave Zabrisky. <laughs> but no, it's it's just you know, I, I went and I raced the I, I didn't go to Burke's event. I went to the Tahoe Trail one hundred and I raced for time, and I walked my bike for three miles, and I still gave it everything to the line, and I made the front corral by like three minutes. And that's how I was in the front start spot. Like that was- You heard it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I mean, I, I want to say Barr. like, we do want, we want pros at our event, but it's not going to be at the sacrifice of the journey person athlete. Um, and so that, I mean, that to me is just like, um, I don't know how, much more clear we can say it um, because we still get slammed on it. Mm -hmm. But that's the truth, and that's how we that's how we do this, and that's basically it. Like that's it. That's how it works. So no secrets. Yeah, I just wanted to this jump in. Um, for SBT, we <coughs> this year we wanted to um, favor the people who sort of gave us a chance last year. They signed up. They didn't know what was involved in the race, so I think that was important to us to give. Um, pre-registration and allow those people in um, but the kind of the the latest of where we really had to make a decision on people was for the Leadville challenge where we're collaborating with um, Lifetime Leadville and uh, there, there was certainly an impression out there that we were only taking pros for it and the reality was we we accepted a handful of pros or invited them to help us spread the word, and that's just how it works. They are they're influencers and gravel. They have um, strong followings, and that helped us get the word out there. But um, it was literally Christy and I reading stories, and we didn't we didn't we had we were not taking pros. In fact, we were probably intentionally not accepting those. We wanted really interesting stories, and so um, that's that's sort of what it came down to. So. Um, on, on that, we wanted people who equal numbers of men and women and who has something really interesting to share and who's going to have this incredible journey getting to the start line and there. And who could inspire. 
who yeah. could inspire other people. Can, can I just say real quick that I can't imagine being year two into my event and being able to partner with Leadville 100 to do something like what you're doing. And then I think Leadboat is a spectacular growth in addition to this adventure gravel mountain bike riding that we're doing and like just congratulations and i can't imagine having that responsibility that early in my event yeah. it's <laughs> wild and you're doing it and i told yeah. mark the same thing i mark your i can never say mark's last Sackowitz. name Sackowitz. <sighs> whatever it's great last name mark i really like your last name it's what it's wild good <laughs> christy moon Pouring me glass of wine. You heard it here first. <laughs> thank you. That's too much. That's very too much. That's awesome. Yeah. No, thank you. It's been, yeah. I think it's cool. an incredible collaboration. Cool. We're really grateful to work with them, but I think it's it's fun to have two events in the, the Rocky Mountains that are a day apart. And it was really taking what was initially, uh-oh, maybe this is a problem, to how do we create something really cool. And I think that speaks to what happens in gravel. Yeah, I think maybe not a lot of people are aware that that collaboration was actually born out of like, oh my god, we yeah. just scheduled over each other. Our well, first yeah. thought was like, who's moving their date? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like, no, well, clearly we're not. And our yeah. chamber and city, we have a lot of reasons we can't move ours either. Yeah. So we we're like, how can we stand off? Yeah, like, is there a solution so here? And um, so the solution sick. turned out to be this. Yeah, incredible event that it turns out hundreds of people are interested in yeah. doing, which yeah, is that's amazing. Yeah. Queen, sort of this, this, this question: World Tour riders balancing those asks with the general public. Like, you don't have a lottery system; you just have, you know. Uh, yeah, entry uh, uh, we're not full yet. So, come on, Stage race still open? Stage race is full. That's a permit issue because yep. we can. It's the first day single track, and we can only fit a couple hundred people. Uh, but no, the one day is still open, and maybe it's partially because Idaho is hard to get to. But um, I have not had to deal with. You know, it's basically it's open, yeah. and I have not had to deal with the struggles yet yeah. of having to turn people away. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Burke, any, any pains with this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, not not yet. So, you know. Every year we've kind of, our, our registration's gone a little quicker and a little quicker. Um, I've, we haven't had to entertain the thought of a lottery yet, and personally that kind of scares me that to have an event, you know, that that many people want in like that. Again, it goes back to the expectations that come with something like that. Um, but I, I've always liked having, you know, just opening registration, and if it's important to you, you're going to find a time, if, it, if you think it's going to sell out, we tell you what time it opens. You can get in front of your computer, and it's the race before the race. Um, last year it was two hours, and you know it may or may not go quicker. But until until we get to that pinch point where it's where it's you know we have to entertain the thought of a lottery, then I'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But for now, you know this year we're going to run it the same way we always have: first come, first serve, because I, that just feels fair to me. If it's important, we're going to make it a priority. If you're traveling overseas and you can't blah blah blah, and you have a Wikipedia page, get one of your friends to register for you. Make yeah. sure they put the right birthday in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, all right, let's let's address the the elephant, you know, or one of the elephants in the room, I think, with gravel growth, and um, those two, in my opinion, would be, um, you know, sort of. Not lifetime for fitness per se, but the fact that some events are being purchased by lifetime, and some people see that as the 
corporatization of selling the soul or the sanitization of gravel? Um, will gravel turn into sort of like an Iron Man series kind of thing where people have to do qualifiers to get into certain events? Uh, is there sanctioning needed? Uh, you know, USAC, as we all know, held a conference uh, last week, I think, uh, out in Bentonville with a number of other gravel movers and shakers um, to talk about um, USAC's relevance uh, or not. So um, I don't know totally if I, I where I'm going with this, but um, you know, I, I guess where do you where do you guys see the future path of, 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 of gravel being as as we're navigating these times where events are being purchased by by Lifetime, the event calendar is packed to the gills. It's packed. Many people aren't able in, to get into events. There's this frustration. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a big topic. So I wish you were going to go. I, I mean, well. I don't want to always be the first one to talk. I wanted every one of these people that are in this room to be at that meeting with USAC, that Tim Johnson. Because you were at that. Rob, I was at that meeting, and um, I went with so many reservations. I'm never nervous about meetings, ever. It's either like, we have this figured out, or we're going to, and we're going to crush it every time like that's what's happening and that's the mo and we're going to do it and i was like what do they want and uh, we finally brought that up in the meeting we're like what does usac want and it just kept and it just kept getting pushed to the to the table saying we just want to have a conversation and so what ended up happening in that meeting for two days we ended up having to call the meeting short at 7 p.m to go to dinner because we were all so excited to share best practices. So what ended up happening, Tim Johnson, Rob DeMarini, I believe, I'm having trouble with his last name too, but he's the new CEO, the new president of USAC. And just to inform a few people, Rob is the former CEO of New Balance, has never been a license carrying person and is not a racer. He put up a slide that he put in front of everyone at USAC that said, USA Cycling, serving cyclists since 2020. And I laughed out loud immediately, because obviously I talk first every time. And, I, and he was just like, yeah, how do you think that went over in the building? And of course, everyone said, oh, not well. But he's like, we're fundamentally, it's, it's, it's not working. They have 55,000 paying USAC membership licenses right now. That is irrelevant, in my opinion. These people in this room have touched that many people, and I don't know how many years we've touched more, probably. And we have the attention. You've touched them all. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Yes, I have. <laughs> what I think was happening in that meeting is that they were trying to figure out what it is that we've all been doing separately to become so successful. Quote unquote, right? It's hard for me to say that I'm successful. I don't know what that actually You're looks successful. like. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> I don't think I'm successful because I don't think I'm done. I'm not done yet, and I don't want to be done. I want to continue. I want to. I want to pass this on to other people, to another generation, and I want it to continue to move. And to me, if we're able to do that, then I think that is success. It's, it doesn't stop with us. It, it it continues, and we don't know what this is going to look like in ten years. But if we make some decisions, some hard decisions, then maybe it will be successful for the those that come behind, like behind us. So what ended up happening is just having a conversation. And what I hope, what I hope come out, came out of that meeting are best practices from the, some of the best human beings in the cycling industry, in my opinion, for them to make cyclocross better and to make mountain bike better. Because in my opinion, USAC doesn't have 
their own realm figured out. So why on earth would we invite them into our realm that we are figuring, we figured it out. And I'll shut up. I'll shut up right now. No, I was giving you the oh, thank you. Okay, thank I was you. giving you the amen. Like, okay, there's, I, you, I, I agree. So there's one, there's one, there's one other thing. I, I think <laughs> Ted King ended that meeting. And I'm going to give some insights that I don't know if it's okay or not, but I really don't care. So Ted King ended the meeting on Tuesday. Thanks for the wine, Christy. And he said, when I left Pro Tour Cycling, it was my goal to never hold a license again. And I don't, and, he, and I love Ted so much, but to see him in that moment and to bring it down, he was very calm and he was very aware of what he was saying and intentional. That's the best word for it. He said, I don't want to see a gravel calendar that has points attached to it. I don't want to see a national championship. I do not want to see categories, sanctioning, and licenses put into gravel. That is not what gravel is. It's not why it has become what it's become, and I don't see a place for it. And literally, that was the last thing that was said, and it came from Ted King. And then we all went to dinner, and I stayed out really late, and I got super hammered with Amanda that runs Grinduro and Old Girl Classic, and we had the so that was that meeting. That was the. That's what we did. We just talked about who we are and what we do, and it was very cool. They wanted to have a conversation. They didn't want to offer us anything. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I'm not sure what they could bring to the table. Right. That would make any of your events any better. Um, does anybody else have any thoughts? On, yeah, please. History repeats itself in war, in corporations, in racing, and you look at. The history um, that bike racing in the U.S. has experienced, there's, there is already, the, the lesson is already before us of the example of not bike racing, of cyclocross racing, of road racing. And you look at people like Pete, why did he leave road racing? And so, you know, shame on us if we can't look at history, if we repeat our same mistakes. Um, and what is special about this is because it isn't that. And so I, I applaud USA Cycling for bringing people to the table. Most definitely. <clears throat> Me too. But the model is not the model of the past. And I don't know what the model is. I just know that what has been the past hasn't worked. It's why a lot of us left mountain bike racing. It's why a lot of us left road racing. And my big fear for gravel is that it gets spoiled and you know you hear oh roadies are going to spoil gravel it's not the individuals of roadies that are going to spoil gravel because there's a lot of really amazing individuals sitting here who have not spoiled it um, it's they are leaving a platform of something that wasn't appealing to them anymore to come to a platform that is appealing is your first question, what's cool about gravel? Um, and that is my fear is that the individuals will not ruin gravel. Um, it's, it's if they bring what they didn't like from their, you know, bad neighborhood on the other side of the tracks, you know, don't bring that over here because it's not what it's about. And I, I applaud USA Cycling, I applaud the roadies that are coming in but um, you're a guest, you know, yeah. in something. You're a guest in someone's home, and you don't come into someone's home and try to make it your own. You 
I really appreciate what Ted King did when he went to Dirty Cans the first year. You know, I'd won it multiple times and he called me up and he's like, how do I do this? I'm like, you wear a hydration pack, you bring your snacks, you do this, you do that, you do bring that. Bring your own snacks. Yeah, and he listened and he respected the venue that he was coming into and he's like, a hydration pack, really? And I'm like, yes. And he did it. And, um, you know, now he's become one of the voices of gravel because he didn't come in and try to make it you know, the place that he left. He came in and accepted it for what yeah, it was. Yeah. What it was. <laughs> and so I think we need to look at history and the mistakes that have been made. Um, we can look at ultra running. We can look at trail running. We can look at many different sports and see where this is gonna go. Um, I don't believe sanctioning is the answer. Um, there are plenty of opportunities for people who want that kind of experience. And yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. Um, for me, like, again, like the Crusher is basically my canvas, right? That's what I, it's like a form of expression for me. And a lot of that expression was angst. It was that I love riding my bike, but I become completely disenchanted and disenfranchised with what I've been doing for the last 20 years on a bicycle. And I sat down and I thought, well, I just want to do something that's completely out of the box. Um, like, the last thing I ever want to see for this genre, again, like, I don't want to say gravel because it, it just, it's its own thing. Yeah. I don't like want to box it in. Whatever we want to call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is homogenization. I mean, that, to me, that's like the scariest thing on earth is to think of this just like becoming another cookie cutter thing with rules and regulations and... You know, I think the coolest thing about, about the genre is that people like me can come in with basically and just say, I've got a blank canvas and I'm going to go to the paint store and I'm going to buy all these cool colors that interest me and I'm just going to start flinging away and see what happens. And nobody's going to come over and look over my shoulder and say, what are you doing there? Are you sure you don't want to put this over there? And be like, yeah, I'm sure. I want to do this and see what happens, you know? So... Yeah, I, I think I think the I mean the next ten years are you know I almost see like this this previous ten years of this or, or fifteen in the case of Dirty Kansas or you know hundred years in the case of people that have been riding bicycles hundred plus years is what what is in front of us nobody knows and nobody can curate that we're all we're all going to be collectively painting on the same canvas. And it's going to be interesting to see what the picture looks like at the end of the day. And it's, it's going to change and evolve. But, you know, as much as I want to curate my own events, I know that that's not going to have an effect on what everybody else is going to do here. We might collaborate a little bit, but ultimately I want to know that these people are going to go where their heart is too. Mm -hmm. And that I'm going to go where my heart is. And neither there's not a right or wrong here. It's just, it's expression and again, freedom. That's a really awesome metaphor to use, the, the pain metaphor there. I think I'm going to start calling you Van Grobel. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't lose an ear, bro. <laughs> um, you talked about homogenization, and so that's gonna, I'm going to segue into our next question, which uh, is lifetime fitness, right? Coming in and purchasing events, and I think that would segue or tie right in with the homogenization of gravel. So events here who, who are dealing with, with lifetime, Burke, Christy, yep. um, how, how, how do you guys combat that perception if it is 
you know, actually uh, something people need to be fearful of. Because I know, like in my heart of hearts, that uh, these events will retain their unique qualities because of who's still involved. But I think from the general public's perspective, they're like, oh, they've been bought out by the corporate, you know, giant or whatever, and then it's going to change. So I don't go for it, Burke. I yeah, yeah. I'm actually kind of chomping a bit. On yes, that. I like it. Get yeah, it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Well, so a year ago, we were doing gravel camp in California. And the, the purchase of 30 cans of by lifetime, that was like, that was all anybody was talking about travel camp. And it was like on my mind and, and we were all just kind of thinking like, wow, this is a game changer. What, what does this mean? Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, like th this was the toughest decision I've ever made in my life to do this. You know, there were, I vetted them and they vetted me hard. Both, it went both ways. Um, I think it's it's been a really interesting process for me because I, I again a, a year ago somebody came up and told me like where I'd be sitting right now and I would I would look down and say you're crazy but here I am um, a lot of hard questions were asked and a lot of I got a lot of good answers and ones that I feel comfortable with and, and to go back to to your point I wouldn't be sitting here right now if I didn't have complete confidence that I'm going to continue to keep painting the way I want to paint. Good. Yeah, because that's what makes the crusher special. Yeah. Is, is yeah. you, your, yeah, your strokes. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I, I was watching really hard when, you know, when Dirty Cancer happened. I was, I was totally, and this is before I even sniffed the fact that Lifetime was even going to be entering the equation for me personally. I just wanted to see what was happening. And I watched their social feeds. I, I mean, I was on that. I was like looking to see like what's going to happen. And Everybody was like, best one ever. You know, I was waiting to see some, exactly. see something change, and everybody's like, no, it's the same event. It, it's, and, and I was like, wow, <clears throat> okay, <coughs> there you have it. Yeah. Christy, I know you have definitely felt the brunt of this, so mm -hmm. how, how have you guys dealt with it? Um, I think the kind of, the, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the you know from us there were four of us running that event. Um, Tim, my husband, Jim Cummins, Leland Danes, and myself. Um, and we were uh, beyond tapped out. Um, and last year's Dirty Kanza, we had eleven extra staff hands there to help us pull off the expo and to make everything go. Um, and the message from the top down right now is that um, uh, they are having us run our events and just offering support. Um, do I think it will change? I have no idea, but they haven't proven to me that it will change. They said that they've learned, they learned, um, you know, Kimo Seymour said he learned lessons with Leadville. Um, they pulled back in that and, and, and took it back to involving Ken and Marilee more and you know, really kind of trying to learn from that lesson. And um, when we, like Bert said, they vetted us as much as we vetted them, um, the bottom line was that they were not interested in Dirty Kanza if the Dirty Kanza team didn't stay on. Um, and I, I, you know, personally, um, my role with Dirty Kanza has been to provide something to my community that was an economic development piece. Um, I love my hometown. It's where I'm from and it's where I've raised my kids and 
Um, we've had, my kids were the fourth generation to graduate from Emporia High School. Um, so it's me. Dirty Kanza is, you know, it's, it's, I'm super passionate about it. And we need, I needed to secure <coughs> the future of Dirty Kanza in my mind. And um, <clears throat> Lifetime provided that opportunity for us and has given us the platform to secure that. Um, and I hope, I mean, I'm, I don't have a reason to think that it will change. Um, I guess I'm just like with the general public, if, if it, you know, it could. But that's not been the, I mean, the, of course you guys don't know all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, but they, you know, they're entrusting Bert and, and Jim and Leland and myself um, to continue to um, do what we do. So that's what I'm going to do, is do what I do. Yeah. Reba, I saw you jotting down some notes. Did you have any thoughts on the homogenization of, of gravel or, or where you see this sort of shift with Lifetime coming in? I mean, don't hold back here. I know you won't. <laughs> um, well, I, I will. I do. I do have to say, everybody has built their event here from ground up, Correct. blood, sweat, and tears. Um, individual, independent business owners, That's and really I really, I really respect that. And you know, it's the American dream to like build something from nothing, and then have a corporate entity come in, pay you a bunch of money, and you know, be rewarded for all of the fruits of your labor. So I can't critique you know, anyone who has sold their business because that they worked hard and they made something of value that someone else saw value in and they bought it. Um, and I hope that, you know, I commend Lifetime for keeping on the, the, the founders of these events because it, it is critical. I was at Leadville over the years of before it was owned by Lifetime and after, and it did change. Um, Still this the same. is Leadville Mountain Bike Race. Yeah, Leadville 100. And it's an, it's an awesome race. It's still an awesome race, but it changed. Um, and it, it didn't, the course didn't change. And, you know, but there were, there were things that changed. And really what changed to me in spanning that are the types of people that, that showed up. Um, it was more indoor people. It was, you know, just less core mountain bike. It was less of the people that we are talking about that come to our events that are like the regular people um, and it, it, it felt it felt different and you know Christy said he, they learned from that experience which is great we all learn from our mistakes um, but there is part of me that's like you know how many companies have we seen again history you know is our teacher and how many corporations have we seen that have been bought, or small businesses been bought by a corporation. It's very hard to keep the personality of the founder. And so yes, like Burke, I'm watching like, God, I hope these amazing races keep their core because that's what's really important. Um, and I don't know, my other big concern is that the small independent owner, the, the independent bike shop um, is no longer gonna have, you know, the paintbrushes paintbrushes the paint on that canvas how will somebody like me compete in that world um, you know, you, Rebecca's private Idaho yeah how does a small yes. independently owned event without corporate dollars behind how do those cool events actually survive and you know that's a real concern um, and yeah I mean I'll continue to work my ass off but it's also as Burke knows it's it's a labor of love 
and will it, will it become a point where you know it's no longer in the game because you can't compete and that's my worry and I'm just being straight. No, please. That's what this travel, <laughs> yeah. travel discussion is about. Can you want to chime in? Yeah, I just, you know, I think it's obvious. I mean, these are all the original founders of their respective events. Correct. And it's like when you create an event, just as, and even with my little Spetness Pater ride, it's all like, it's an extension of you and it's your passion and it's your name on it. And you can see that style in all these events. You know, Burks is high altitude backcountry Utah climbing. That's what Burke did and loves, you know. Rebecca's is insane backcountry mountain biking in Idaho. You know, Steamboat is ridiculous, like the kind of the, you know, the, the Colorado cowboy vibe in the ski town and, and those dirt roads there, I've ridden them. And, you know, Kansas, it's that Kansas Flint hospitality, Hills. the Flint Hills. and. I haven't done the dirt yet, but you know, there's, there's mm -hmm. like, I, I'm excited to experience. To <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and even mine, you know, like every little thing, you know, you want it to be curated, and it's, it's even the little touches, you know, and, and, and what what is your passion and what do you love about riding a bike and the community around it? And I can tell you, just like hanging out this week with these guys, it's. They care too much to sell out, so it's. I wouldn't call it that. I mean, that. Th this yeah. is the the meeting in the room. This is where you have the power to um, give props to small events that are really core and that are awesome. And you go and you 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 know, it's easy to talk about the Olympics when you're covering sports. It's easy to talk about the Tour de France, but are you talking about you know the other great things out there? And there is power in participating with a little guy or the independent owner or and it's it's not to say that dirty Kansas is not amazing dirty Kansas is on the map on the radar you know they don't need the media anymore and if we do want to grow and include and get more people into the events dirty Kansas is full so we need the grassroots we need the small independent events and that is where the power of the media has the opportunity to talk about it or us as pros or us as other riders and taking part in each other's events because yeah dk's full steamboat's full you're full and so there are a lot of other gravel events that calendar is really full with races that are not full i'm going to use that as a segue since you pointed out that there's a number of media in this room for the podcast listeners you have no idea we have an audience circling us here at this gravel round table with a whole bunch of heavy hitters in the media scene so Media, do you guys have any questions that you would like to fire at the panel? I've been doing all the talking tonight. Um, would anybody like to just, you can come saddle up next to me here, firing a question off um, to this group, because we're getting up close to two hours uh, of chit-chatting. So um, I'd like to open up to any folks here who might have a question. Okay. Okay, Ben Delaney is coming down. This is Ben Delaney from Bellow News, The Grind. Mm -hmm. Hi. Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. I don't want to standardize, and I get that. I appreciate that as a participant. Um, but I'm just curious for your thoughts on feed zone etiquette or how that could be smoothed out for some front of the pack folks, uh, for the, the Pete's and the Rebecca's and the, the Berg, a lot of you folks, frankly. And the, um, how can that be pulled off in a fun, safe way? Or do you feel that it's... Yeah, 
I mean, our our approach to FBC is Amy Charity. Yeah, was to to try to make it equal to everybody. So we had um, some pros come in and say. Or some pros managers say, my my person always gets X. How are we going to accomplish that? And we said, well, your person has two choices. They can carry X or they can provide 1,500 of X to everyone else out there. Hell yes. So, um, yes. That's, that's a school teacher response. Like, that's to go for everyone. Everyone got to go. That's right. So um, that was our response. We want it to be fair. And anyone can make the choice of, I'm never stopping, I'm carrying a camelback and I am self-sufficient, or um, that's it, or you have an aid station that is the same for everyone. So we wanted literally every single person in that race, we don't care if you're going to win it or you're gonna finish right at the cutoff, we want you to have an equal choice in what you do. And that was our way to make it fair. In fact, we didn't do call-ups and that was a long, discussion and again we kept coming back to let's make this fair for absolutely everybody um and so you lined up wherever you wanted to line up and um that that's been our approach if you need help if you have issues out on the course if um the support is near you great and if they're not then you're waiting just like everyone else so, our so no hand up said the aid station is no, that what you're saying that's correct no okay. yeah no hand ups in yeah. fact we started with um we were we had top hundred people are getting handouts and then we're like, what if you're hundred and first and you're in a pack? Like that is so unfair. And our whole thing was how do we make this fair? And so um, everyone gets off their bike and everyone fills their own bottle. And we just wanted it to be fair. And I would have to say that you guys had so many coolers lined up. So many. So many. Was so, they were so quick to get through there and they had really helpful aid pumps. So like any pro that complains that they like lost time there, they need to work on their aid station game. Yeah, even though it's the Wikipedia page. So, so we're doing Poor guy. Uh, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> so, I think we've been vague enough, maybe. Bobby, we're doing something for the very first time. So we've offered it a we've offered a drop bag service that I've been super proud that we've offered because a lot of other events either did it for a short time or maybe never ever did it. So we and and let me tell you right now from a logistical standpoint that the drop bag service has been absolutely horrifying and cost us a ton of time and a ton of money. And it's not about us, it's not about that, it's not about the money, but it is about the experience of the participants. So every time we have a conversation, I'm, I bring back everything we talk about to the participant. They are our consumer, they're our, they're our customer, and, and they are, we only exist in what we do because they are coming and they care. So I want their experience to be phenomenal. So with Scratch Labs, we're going to offer water at the 50 mile, the 100 mile race in nutrition, limited nutrition for the very first time. And honestly, Amy, it's because we were at SBT and we saw what you did and it was so cool. It was, it was very cool. So it's a replacement for our drop back service. So if you didn't, because we knew we had people coming from all over the country that didn't have sport crews. So we offered them, you bring the drop bag, it's here. You get a little number plate that mirrors your number. We have it all marked out. You come up, you get your bag, you take care of it, you leave. So now we're going to do the same thing. You fill your own bottle, you get your own food. Or if, like Dirty Kenza, you have a team that is the funnest thing ever. So I would, fun. I would rather be on a support crew almost than ride Dirty Kenza. <laughs> almost. It's so much fun. 
you get to be a part of of the most critical moments to help someone realize their goal of finishing. You've lifted my spirit many times. Yes, <laughs> my service manager Austin Turner has yeah. been Yuri Oswald's yeah. ser- and in was his was his pit man in 2015 when Yuri won Dirty Kansas, and we partied so hard when we found out you won. Huh? Did you only win it once? Only once. Dan Hughes is the four-time winner. Let's get this <laughs> so, so we're going to offer both. We're going to have, you can come in, you can set up your tent. Um, wherever our halfway point may be, we change our course every two years, and we work with a new host town every two years. Um, we're about, I think we're about to max out on the towns that we have close enough to us for 100 miles. But yeah, we'll have both. So no dropback service this year. Um, Full on neutral scratch spot, and if you have a, a crew and a team, you you can find a ten by ten space or whatever. Queenie, I, I mean, do, I know yeah, you're out there actually I, on course handing out bottles yourself. Yeah, and I, Ben, your question was really yeah. good, and it's a really important issue. And we've typically done, and we're going to change for this year. We've typically done the first fifty riders get a hand up to the best of our ability, the best of our volunteers. I've done hand ups myself. I've dropped them and felt terrible. Um, and you know, I was vision no, just it. like spinning with bottles and like hitting <laughs> people right in totally, I'd spin yeah. around. Yeah. I mean, it's super fun, but um, it, it takes, like I said, it takes a a road a roadie expectation into yeah. a, right. a gravel dirt off road event, and so we're gonna eliminate that this year as oh, well, okay. and take basically take um, you know. Again, take a you know a book from mountain bike stage racing. You stop and you fill your bottle. Yep. And if everyone has to do it, it's fair. And there's enough coolers. Um, if I add the 125 mile baked potato route, which I'm working on, there will not be an aid station for probably 50 miles. And that is again my personality of like be responsible, wear a hydration pack, bring um, you know bring a flat tire changing stuff don't expect a SRAM vehicle to be there and if people don't like that style they they don't have to participate you know but that is more where that is taking it more towards the off-road more towards the adventure riding than taking a playbook from road and bringing it over to gravel so I really like your question because that has been one of the biggest things that's been a hassle in our events is people coming with the expectation of a hand up and it's like, okay, we'll just get rid of it. So, yeah, good yeah. job. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, you're <laughs> not going to hand you a bottle this year. I'm not coming now. Okay. Uh, no, it's interesting. Um, but, you know, we were starting to see the dynamics of gravel, like, change even before, you know, World Tour riders came in. I think News wrote a piece a few years back about a particular team that was bringing in some road tactics, you know. So, I mean, it's not... I mean, we, we've seen this subtle shift beginning a few years ago. It wasn't just world tour guys, so no one can, um, you know, hashtag that Pete's ruined the gravel because it started, you know, just the mentality was starting to change already. People were wanting to race it more. Well, an know? event director has the ability to change and alter their course and alter their rules to keep the event pure. I, you know, I added a five-mile El Diablito section to uh, the, the, to Private Idaho this year to the 100-mile course, the baked potato, and it was quite rough. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like it, but it was, one, you got a beautiful mountain view, view of, um, you know, Devil's Bankstead, and you got off the beaten path, and it broke up the back, and so for me, it actually threw in this little twist that I was really excited about, and so there... 
the race organizer has the ability to alter the course to kind of make things you know break apart our our ride private idaho starts with a 1200 or 1200 foot um climb and that really breaks apart the volatile yeah really fast and people like burke are stoked on that part of that. hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I think the key is in the course design, you know, and yeah. I know that there's Belgian Waffle Ride and a lot of other rides that, they, and, you know, even Levi's Grand Final, that you have the choice to take, like, that dirt section. And so that's where I think it's exciting, and I think it's important for race directors to keep these little, like, surprises and, you know, yeah. unique course design, because that is really the flavor of not being in a giant peloton of a thousand people just following in a wheel and looking at somebody's butt crack. You know, that's not what we're out riding bikes for, you know. I, sorry, I did say that. But you're, you you want to look at the view, not somebody's yes. butt. And, but the course, well, I mean, maybe, maybe. Well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It depends. It depends on who it is. But the course can really dictate that. I was right behind Yuri today. Yeah. It was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's wanna, all I meant. I was just kidding. Did you want to jump in on this one, Burke? This is Burke's little hearse. Remind me. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's... It's it's, 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 it's a Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, getting back to the aid station thing. So this is one of those things where I look at, like, hindsight being twenty twenty kind of thing. And you know, my background was road racing. And you raised your hand, someone came up, gave you stuff. Yeah, and so when I, when I, my vision for Crusher was I wanted to bring the pro experience to everybody, whether, like, from the very first person that comes through the aid station to the That's very cool. last person, which was a great idea when I started my event thinking, you know, oh, there's maybe going to be 30 or 40 people to show up. Well, now it's like I'm having to think like, well, geez, I'm, at this point, I'm close to almost 3,000 water bottles that we give out on course every day to make sure that every single person gets the same experience from start to finish. And that's... They nail it, though. And, and the, Little kids running with Coke oh, cans. And so here's, here's the dilemma, right? Like, I want to pull back from that and go back to what these guys are talking about, like, in hindsight, yeah, I want self-serve. Stop, do your thing, whatever. But my volunteers, they are—they love this experience so much. It means so much to them that if I told them, like, hey, we, we're not doing this anymore, people, I would literally have people crying. <laughs> you want to send your volunteers to my I'll take some. I've actually floated this idea to volunteers, and I've seen the tears well up in their okay. eyes. The thought that they weren't going to be able to have that interaction with the riders. So I, I have, as we look and, you know, if we do and bring more people to the crusher, if there's the appetite for it, I've got some hard decisions in front of me because suddenly, like, going from 3,000 bottles to, say, 5,000 bottles, and then you bring in the whole, you know, the whole aspect of just, like, the environment. Like, 3,000 water bottles, you know, what do you do with those? Well, we clean them, you know, we take them all, we sanitize them, we run through industrial, we recycle them, we reuse them every year, but it's still 3,000 plastic water bottles. I mean, it's, this is the kind of stuff that like keeps me up at night. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like we need a moment of silence for all the, the swan years out there because they're gonna be out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> they can start they can riding still the massage. <laughs> they can still massage, yeah. and do laundry. I like, I like massages yeah. a lot. <laughs> you must. Yeah. You guys must have other questions. Um, yeah. Does anybody other any other media have questions? Yeah. Come on up. This is Josh Patterson. Yeah. Hey guys. Hi. Hi Josh. Hi Josh. <laughs> 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 so yeah. 
Yeah, so Josh Patterson, road bike reviewer, long time gravel racer. I think we can sum up the entire discussion tonight about it's about the growing pains of gravel. Mm. Yes. And what we haven't touched on yet is the same specter that's haunting every other discipline of cycling, and that's doping. Mm. So I'd like to hear from every promoter here how they're addressing that or how they plan to in the future as your events grow. Bobby, you want to go first? Are we talking about are we talking about smoking weed on course or because that's totally okay with me. <laughs> I don't think it's that dope. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I'll, I'll start. I mean, I'm I'm still tested, and I actually had that email conversation with you, Sada. This as soon as the calendar year turned, and I said, like, hey, like, you know, I've been in the testing pool. You guys show up to my house at five a.m. like ten, fifteen times a year. Oh yeah. So they could show up right now if they wanted. So they know I'm here. Anyway, um, <laughs> and, wow. But it was. Did you, did you let us know that they know you're here? Like, <laughs> you're gonna like do we give an anonymous call in or something? <laughs> we had a wild night last night. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but it was. You know, it was just like you know, I I'm very much for clean sport, and again, that's not the reason that people are coming to gravel and. I mean, it, yeah, it's going to get more competitive, so you guys got to think about that. However, um, I just said, like, look, like, this is, you know, it's it's currently unsanctioned. It's not an Olympic sport, and, um, you know, so do you want to continue to test me for, um, and it, honestly, it's a waste of money and finances, possibly. And they said, yeah, I mean, technically, you know, it's, you know, you're still in the grand UCI pool, you've been in the system for a while, and, and we're still interested. So, I mean, yeah, I'm still giving my whereabouts every day, all season, for all these events. I mean, they're going to know I'm staying at the Holiday Inn and Stillwater in March. So, so I, I've never, I've never, I've never really, I've never followed pro, <coughs> pro cycling. I am definitely not a pro cyclist. I have never won a race. So my perspective is, is skewed, and... Josh, I really appreciate I, I appreciate you bringing this to the table, man, because it is something as responsible event promoters that say that we want to provide this experience for every single person. It is something that we have to, to deal with. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm I mean I'm gonna say this and, and not to put pressure on, but I mean Christy Moon has, has been a mentor in my life for quite a while, and so we've taken a ton of of things from the DK playbook, and I think that we will continue to watch. And those that, that are working on things a, a bit more than our tiny crew that is also working at the bike shop full-time, that we're going to try and, and listen. And we're going to try and listen and, and not be really, really stuck in our own ways. But I am afraid also of subjecting my 99%, my, my finishers and not my racers, to something that does not apply to them in any sort of way whatsoever. That they are not there for the podium. They are not there for it for racing whatsoever and to me that is what makes gravel so incredible and yes this is a growing pain and we have to figure it out and christy mentioned it earlier too like we're totally considering a lottery because we had five thousand people on bikereg.com the second we opened for 1500 spots in the 100 mile which we've let in quite a few more but we are dealing with growing pains and so we're thinking about a lottery too so with that what what is that what does that mean what does it look like how do we facilitate it and how do we 
pay respect to those that have been a part of our event from the beginning. So I don't know. I don't want to subject. I don't want to subject to ninety nine percent to something that doesn't make sense. But I understand that people will win at all costs, and people don't care what certain drugs and certain things do to their body. But I want to have that conversation. Like, what does doping do to you? When you're 70 years old, how do you feel? Like, what does it actually do to the insides of your body? If you go to McDonald's every single day, what does it do to you? Like, putting shit in your body that's not of natural substance will do something to you. And I want to have that conversation. And so education, I think, is, is huge. And if we can start exposing some things that have happened to people, then maybe we could make some fundamental change in how people are making decisions before they come to these bike races. And I know that that's a, maybe a huge battle to fight and maybe not one I'm prepared to fight. Obviously, I'm not prepared to fight it. But I'll, I'm going to watch what other people do, what other people do with their races and with their rules and their regulations, and then I'm going to do suit what I think makes sense for us. Rebecca Rush, did you want to jump in on this? Sorry, you see you writing. No, no, I do. I'm, I'm watching cues, subtle, subtle body cues here. Um, I think we have a responsibility to, um, to take the lead. And especially, you know, you know, grandfather events like Dirty Kanza. And I'll tell you again, I, not to keep using the same thing, but you, you see it in mountain biking. You saw it at Leadville. You see it at Whiskey 50 where there's big cash prizes. You see, you know, European pros coming over, winning those races, and there's no drug testing. Um, and I don't know that those people were doping or not because there never was any testing. Leadville never had any testing, despite you know a lot of publicity and a lot of, and you may say, oh, there's no prize money, so it doesn't matter. There's a ton of exposure and sponsorships that are gained, and Dirty Kansas as well. There is, there is, there are careers that are launched based on their media exposure from those big races. And I, I believe those races have a responsibility to, to do a small, I know it's really expensive, but That's to do a small, right. it, it is, but okay, yeah. I'm just going to say it. Dirty Kansas is corporately owned. Yeah. They are setting the bar for everyone right now. And so I don't know, but what would it be to the top male, top female, and two random people? It's a token. It's like not everybody. It's not a big category. But what would that look like to just send the message yeah. to say, hey, this is not okay here. You know, we want everyone to come and play. And, of course, you don't want to put the 99% into a doping room and have to do a P test and all that. But could you just do the top one and two in a random so that there's this, this hint of like, ah, that's not okay here. Um, and I agree with Bobby that there's education and you can talk about it, but nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Nobody's saying anything and it's launching careers and people are moving over from road, they're moving over from mountain biking and you saw it in endurance mountain biking as well. So I do believe these events that that do have corporate dollars and corporate money behind them, they can lead the way and, you know, eventually, hopefully, my event will get there and, and be that way as well. Um, but it's it's us who are shaping, you know, who comes to the party, who comes to the table, and if we don't want those, those people to come, then we have to send that message. <clears throat> I will say for USA Cycling, I will give them props. They handle our um, event insurance. And they scrub our list for us. And they've actually found people who were, I wouldn't have known the names, who were serving doping offenses. And they alerted us and they called that person and said, okay, you're not welcome. You know, this event is a USAC event. You, you can't come. And so they, that has been a, a big benefit for us. And that is why we use their health insurance. 
or, or their private event insurance because they scrub that list for us. Could we? Could, is there a way that we could have them scrub lists without? I don't know, energy. and that's a, a USA Cycling question, but to me that it was a big value, and there's been a couple people who I wouldn't have known their names. There's no way I can look at that many people and know who random Masters Doper is just going to say, these are the freaking Masters dudes. But that was a big benefit for me, and there's been a couple times where I was like, well, I never would have known, but that we called out that person, and they didn't come. And it was a message of like, you know, you're not welcome here until you've served, you know, your suspension or anyone serving a lifetime ban, you know, isn't coming to private Idaho. Yeah. 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 I think the same with us. And, and mm -hmm. Rebecca's right. I mean, it's a conversation that, that definitely has to happen. Um, and it's not, it, you know, it, it's, I guess it's, you know, it's still the elephant in the room because nothing's been decided, but I don't Correct. think that that's, you know, I, I don't, I think that the direction is that, you know, what does that look like? How do we, how do we? you know, piece this together in something that makes sense. As an elite yeah. athlete, I appreciate when there's drug testing because I'm clean and yeah. I I don't mind the hassle and I like it and it's like great. You yeah. know? Yeah. At least exactly. I'm on an equal playing field here. And we talk about being fair. That is the number one thing to be fair as these events is well especially for the elites. I mean that you know yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, we we I think Bobby and I come from the background that we get a little bit stuck in the fact that neither of us like we're we're there for the experience, um, but there's other people that are there, and I understand like Dirty Panza has definitely changed. It's a it's a it's a place that launches people's careers at this point, and it changes who they are in in, in the world of cycling, and so there is a responsibility there. Um, I I you know and can be definitely naive to that because of my background, and I think. I'm, you know, a lot of people there are just a freaking ride 200 miles and see if they can finish or they're trying to beat the sun or beat midnight or, you know, they don't want to have to be part of the breakfast club again, you know, like whatever. It's but, a cool patch, though. <laughs> it's the best patch. Collect all three. Um, You're right, though, Chris. It is, it, it's naive not to think about it because yeah, those no, people I, are coming and just, it's cheating. And as you would call out, you know, the guy a few years ago who got aid on the horse, yeah. it's the same thing. It's just, it's not as visible. Um, and so it does have to be, cheating has to be called out. And, you know, we're, sadly, we're, we're going there where it's, you know, and it can be small, it can be a small random sample, but just the amount, the threat of it, you know, is, sends a big message. Thanks for asking that question. Yeah. Is, there, is there any other media or folks in, in the, the peanut gallery here that want to ask something? Because we've been chatting for almost two, two plus hours. <laughs> Yeah, come on, introduce yourself and ask your question. Hi, Diamond Hughes. It's nice to be here and to meet you guys. Uh, I guess a little bit of a question. So, you, uh, Rebecca, you're just talking about USA Cycling, sort of behind the scenes, providing your event insurance. Um, you, I've been to one of the events here, Daily Canada, going to the Steamboat this summer, and looking forward to that. How do you stop like USA Cycling or British Cycling or any cycling body? Um, from kind of eventually sort of wanting to stamp their, their sort of thing on your event. Because as road cycling, I think is going to dwindle, their membership is going to decline, they're going to want to have a piece of your pie. How are you going to protect your events from being so special and the individuality of your events? Yeah, you, you do that by taking a stand. If, yeah. if you see something that you don't feel right about, you just don't go with it. Can you um, do that? You no, can, as in, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're fully in control. Yeah. Right now, we are. We're right now, and we are in 
it, so go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Well, make make no mistake. There, it's going to happen. But whether it's it's who participates in that, that's going to be what's interesting. Who participates in that? Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's other people here with opinions about that, but the, we yeah. we won't do yeah. the SAC. So. That that seems to be the general consensus is that these gravel events, the monuments of gravel, you folks and others uh, have been doing just fine for the last 15 years without the support of USAC. And Bobby, you said something interesting earlier, like, hey guys, go focus on cross, go focus on... Let's make it better. Let's make that let's, better. Let's elevate we, cycling as a whole. We've, we've got the gravel side of things covered. covered. Yeah. So we live in a very different time. We are, and I'm not saying that, that, that promoters 10, 15, 20 years ago weren't as smart as us or didn't have it figured out or any of that, but we live in a different time of communication. We are instantly connected through social media, through email, through websites, through phone conversations, face-to-face, you know, oration, oral conversation, relationship building. We are... I would like to say very, very competent human beings. We know exactly what we have and we know exactly why it is what it is. And it's about experience. The future, the past, the present, everything, all of it is about experience, whether it's for the spectator or for the participant at hand. And I said that earlier. So USA Cycling, the UCI, WANA, like everybody, we are not dealing with something exactly that has happened before because we're in constant contact. Christy Moon and I, we, we talk about things all the time. You know, I, I can reach out to any of these people, I think, now on this panel and, and shoot ideas across the table. I can market myself insanely well from my couch in my underwear listening to jazz and drinking whiskey if I want at any moment in time and raise the awareness of my event from X to, to Z. I love that visual picture. <laughs> it's, it's not that attractive. <laughs> but anyway, we, we're in a completely different time of how we communicate as human beings and what we're, what we're doing and how we're impacting people's every single everyday lives through how they identify themselves as being who they are through the events that they participate in is not the same as it was before. We don't need points. We don't need a static list that says I rank here because they just have a photo on a couch in the middle of nowhere that says I did that event and this was the proof that I was there and this is how it happened. You mean you don't need power gravel rankings? (laughs) And the gravel rankings thing is just, they just made it up. They made it up. They didn't ask our permission. I was out when you weren't on it. I'm just poking the bear on that one. And like, I'm not mad about it, but I wasn't a part of that conversation. Yeah. Was anyone else privy to the conversation? Before yeah. Yeah. yeah, no one at this table had any input on those gravel no. power rankings. Yeah, so. That, I I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to have input. Ex- exactly. And neither do yeah. I. Yeah. yeah. No. And so I think that gets clear. to the larger question do we need sanctioning? Do we need like some like point series no. that unifies all these gravel events because that's just some of the questions coming in too, Bert? Yeah, so I'm, I would say this is probably eight, I'm guessing eight years ago, I was contacted by, and I'm blanking on his name, there was somebody who had come up with a series called the, uh, this was before gravel was a word, okay? Of course. <laughs> so this is probably like 2012, I'm guessing. It was bike riding. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Somebody contacted me and said, hey, we've got this American Ultra Cross calendar. Yeah. And, and there were people, you know, 
there were people in on this. We had like a phone conference and, and talked about creating a series, essentially, you know, what we call a gravel series now. And we're like, well, okay, let's talk about this. And after several phone calls, it became very clear that a series was not going to happen for anybody because we all had our own ideas of how we wanted to do things, which is exactly what makes this so cool. Yes, right? dude. Yes. And we don't have to conform to anything. And so I, the, the idea of a series for me, yeah, I'm sure it's going to, again, this is something that's going to happen. There will be a gravel series or, you know, whatever. But we all get to have a say in, in whether we want to participate in that or not. And, and maybe there's going to come a point where it actually makes sense. But I think where we're at right now, I think just the individual, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess you, I always go back to defer to music. It's like, okay, well, yeah, Lollapalooza was really cool, like getting all these different bands together doing their own thing. Or that was awesome. Is that going to happen with, with gravel cycling? You know, that would be, yeah, who knows? But... At this point, I don't see it happening because we all have our own ideas on how we want to do things and there would have to be a meeting in the middle somewhere. And I don't think any of us want to compromise on certain things because we all like what we've got going. And, and rightly so. I think we've all got really cool stuff going. You all do. I mean, one of the questions <laughs> to me on social media was, you know, is there going to become like this Kona of gravel, right? Like this world championship or whatever. Um, but I don't think, I get the sense that I don't think we're going that direction, that you guys don't want to, I mean, gravel, well, gra gravel, gravel world. Yeah, gravel, gravel world. Thank you, Rebecca. Gravel Rebecca. world. I'm not taking anything away from that, Greg and those guys. Gravel world, yep. for sure. Yeah, Jay. Cornbread. Yeah. It's wild. It's 150 yeah. miles of, of cornfields. Yeah, super wild. But, yeah, I don't, I, just, I don't see gravel heading into any sort of, like, point series type structure um, in, the, in the near future. I think that's some people's fear, right, with lifetime coming in, that there will be qualifiers that maybe affect how people get into events. Um, but we'll just have to see how, how that plays out. Um, if there aren't any more media questions or anything like that, I think I'm going to wind it down. We've been talking for, like, two and a half hours, and it has been really the highlight of my week here at Gravel Gravel Camp, you know, Bluebird Gravel Camp, hanging out with you guys, riding with you, getting to um, chat about gravel, something we're all really passionate about. Um, and yeah, just I can't get over, like I'm my fanboy moment. Look at all these promoters here, you guys. This is amazing. I mean, you guys truly have taken your passion and turned it into, uh, a, you know, a job and something that's changing people's lives and have helped shape the future and the direction of gravel. So keep doing it, because I like riding my bike. So let's keep doing this thing. Um, and thanks to Chris Lyman and his crew for putting this all together and everybody showing up, all the media. This has been a really awesome night to, to have this gravel roundtable chat. So I think we'll wrap it up there for the 2020 gravel camp. Great job, Amazing. Yeah, thank you, Yuri. If you like this episode and the other more casual conversations we're having with the people behind the brands, events, and tech, hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. And if you really love it, when you queue up that next episode, take a second, leave us a rating and review. Those really matter and we really appreciate it. Thanks. Next up, we'll return to our three-part van life series with Van Do It to wrap up the conversation on how to customize your own camper van, Sprinter, or Ford Transit. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.